the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God has written what is right and wrong in our hearts, so there will be no excuses on the day of judgment when we stand before God. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. Well, today we're going to be in Exodus chapter two. And I entitled this message, A Predetermined Plan. Let's read here, picking up in Exodus two, verse five. It says, the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh? Yes. She came down to bathe at the Nile River. Boy, hmm, what a coincidence. With her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and she sent her maid and she brought it to her and when she opened it she saw the child and behold the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said this is one of the Hebrews children then his sister pops out of the reeds okay Miriam and said to Pharaoh's daughter excuse me ma'am Should I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that they may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes, go ahead. So the girl went and called her mother. (laughs) Okay, verse nine, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child, giving her back to her mother, which she doesn't know, and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman Jochebed, okay, took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him up out of the water. Is this insane? Is this crazy? I mean, what timing? I mean, what is the chance of all of this happening? We're going to build a little boat, put our baby in there, and ship him down the river. Okay, he's down the river. You ever thought you were down the river with no paddle? That was Moses. Okay, you're in good company. Anyway, so here we have the daughter of Pharaoh coming down to take her morning bath. This must have been a secluded spot, you could say. Yet right at the very moment that Moses is floating by in a basket, she heard the baby crying. Like most women, she had compassion on this stranded, let's not forget, beautiful little baby boy. Notice how she knew immediately in verse 6 that this was a Hebrew baby. Maybe she hated her father's decision to kill all the babies. Dad, how can you kill the babies? Be quiet, girl. This is what has to happen here. Okay, whatever. But here we have a perfect union that God lined up. 
We have who? We have a baby crying, a helpless, beautiful little baby crying. We have coupled with a woman's heart. Oh, look at the little baby. Oh, it's so cute. With God's divine intervention wrapping it all around, and the rest is history. Because this might have been the only one who could convince Pharaoh to spare just one Hebrew baby. One Hebrew baby. No, they're all getting killed. Every Hebrew male baby is getting killed. I put it in the law, and that's it. So how are we going to spare just one male Hebrew baby? Pharaoh's own daughter. Uh, Daddy? Daddy, can I keep him? Look how cute he is. He's just got a little doll. It's like when our kids find us, you know, a stray puppy. Oh, Daddy, now get that mud out of here. No, Daddy, I already named him Ralphie. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I remember me and my wife were at the mall, and my kids are little, and they're, you know, we walked into the pet store. Don't ever walk into the pet store at the mall. It's just like the kiss of death for a parent. And they're, they had all these little bunny rabbits, bunny rabbits, and my, my little girls are little bunny rabbits. And I'm like, Daddy, can we have a no? Daddy, no. You know, we get out to the car. The kids are crying. It's a mess. Okay, so, you know, we, we get home, and, you know, my wife looks at me, the look. I'm looking at her, all right, all right, I'm, I'm, I got I to gotta, I gotta run back to the mall. So, so I go back to the mall. My, you know, my girls were young. They were like, you know, three and six. So, so, so mom's got them in the bathtub, taking a bath when I get home. And, and so, you know, I'm around the corner, you know, I got the bunny. Okay, I, I, I got the bunny. And it's like, so, so I, the door's open, so I just I get the bunny. And he's, you know, and he's in there for like a while, you know. And it's just like they don't see him. You know, I'm thinking like, there's a rabbit walking around. So they finally scream like, oh. And they're like, you know, and they, the older one, the six-year-old like, shh, don't tell mom and dad. <laughs> and the three-year-old, and we're, this, we're listening to this. We're outside the door, you know, and we're listening to this. And, and then the three-year-old's like, well, where did he come from? And, you know, we used to live in Riverside. We moved back into Virginia. So it's the first time we had vents in the floor, you know, the heater vents in the floor. Because, you know, in here, we, we always had them in the ceiling. So, and she's like, he came up through the heater vent. You know, it's like, it's like how kids' minds work, you know. But it's like, but do you see how us parents were guppies? And it's like God used Pharaoh's daughter. So, I mean, do you see the picture here? You have the guy that says, we're going to kill every Hebrew baby male. And it's like, the girl, his daughter comes up, oh, daddy, daddy. Okay, so he lets one live. One male baby live who is going to grow up, who's going to come back and crush Egypt and take all of God's people and set them free. Hey, so, you know, this is only God that could come up with this. Like, oh, you you only let one baby live. That's all I needed because he's going to come back and because of your funky law, I'm going to crush your entire country because of what you've done. Wow, it's like, whoa, this is just crazy. Yes, if there was anyone who could talk to Pharaoh in the sparing his baby's life, it was his little princess. Then, as if it couldn't get any better, that Moses would live, his older sister 
who's been watching you. I'm following the ark down, the little boat down. And she comes up and she says, "Uh, excuse me, now she's thrown into God's predetermined plan. See, you can be uh, used in multiple ways of a whole miracle coming down. Now you got the sister who's probably six, seven years old, and she sees it. Mom's not there to tell her what to do. She just does it all on her own. And she comes out of the, the reeds in the midst of, uh, of the, the maidens and everything, and she's not intimidating because she's just a little girl. And she says to Pharaoh's daughter, uh, excuse me, ma'am. Should I go get like one of the Hebrew women to come and nurse the baby for you? And she's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Go, go get someone for me. So she goes and gets more mom. It's like, oh my goodness. So here comes mom. I mean, have you, uh, this is crazy. I could see Miriam running back in. Mom, you're not going to believe this. Pharaoh's daughter's got Moses. It's like, oh my goodness, you got to come right now. Mom, hurry. You have to come right now. And so she comes now by the grace of God, and I believe because of Jochebed's faith, I'm not going to kill my baby. I'm going to spare my baby. I'm going to hide my baby. I'm going I'm to build an ark like Noah did, and if God could save the animals, so save my son. She moved by faith. And now what does God do? By faith, she is now allowed to care for her own baby. Moses doesn't even miss a meal. He's back on. He's plugged in. It's like she put him in the ark and like, you know, an hour later, she's already feeding him again. You know, it's just like he didn't even miss a meal. Only God, this is like, only God could do this. I mean, this is the craziest story ever. But it's like, that's what happens when God gets involved. You know, some people might say, well, gee, well, what a coincidence. All those things happen. And this isn't a coincidence. This is what happens when faith moves. This is what happens when God supernaturally, by his predetermined plan, when he has people that are willing to walk by faith and not by sight. This was God's divine purpose. He had this plan from the beginning as God uses the very daughter of the man who put the death sentence on all the male Hebrew babies. Oh, this is crazy. Yes, now he's allowing this one certain baby to live. And this is the one that's allowed. And he's going to be the very one that God uses to anoint and strengthen and come back 80 years later and set all God's people free. Insane, crazy. And he will destroy Egypt. Amen. Amen. This seals the saying about God. He will always have the last word in everything. You know, we look at our country right now, and there's all politicians that are lying and cheating and, you know, taking our country down the pike right now, and we're losing all kinds of area, and and just, I mean, just everything is going wrong right now, and these people think they're just going to get away with everything. Guess what? They're not going to get away with everything. You get away with it for a season, but it's going to come back, and God's going to make everything right in the end. We can think that we can get away with things, and we can, and we can for a season, right? People can live in sin for years. People can blaspheme God. People can curse God. You have people you work with are always cursing God. They're always doing this. Well, you can get away with it for a while. You can get away with it for decades. Lives that live out completely, you know, contrary to the God's word and people just living in sin and they just seem like they're prospering and they get away with everything. But one day, guess what? It all comes to an end. 
One day it's over for everybody and they stand before God. The Bible says in the book of Obadiah, it's only one chapter. He says in verse 15, he says, For the day of the Lord draws near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return upon your own head. You will reap what you sow one day. People say, I don't believe that. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what you believe. It's going to come back on you. You know, I think about John Lennon with the Beatles. You know, they broke up in like, I don't know, what was it like 1968 or something like that, that the Beatles broke up, you know, but right before they broke up and everything, the Beatles were the biggest thing that ever happened. And at one point, John Lennon says, the Beatles are even bigger than Jesus. Oh, okay. So the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. So you can live on your little high horse and, and, and you have all your success and everything, but guess what? Your day's coming. And his day did come. His day came where he went home, him and his wife, Yoko Ono, they came home to their apartment in New York City, and some guy shot him dead on the sidewalk in front of his house, some crazy man. So it's like all of a sudden, now you're standing before God. Now are you bigger than Jesus now? See, John Lennon, you know, after they broke up with the Beatles, you know, his only real name to fame song was Imagine. And it's still huge today. People, it's such a beautiful song and everything. I suggest to you that that song was inspired by Satan himself. And it brought a lot. And some people are thinking, okay, Pastor, you're overthinking this. (laughs) It's like, it's just a song, you know. But everyone just, you know, oh, yeah, just play Imagine. And, you know, they still play it today, like, you know, about this utopia that man's going to build and everything. Let me read the lyrics to you. Okay, and I'll tell you why I believe that is inspired by Satan. It says, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Yeah, I just believe there's no God, there's no nothing. And no hell below. No, there is a heaven, there is a hell. And if you don't go to heaven, you're going to hell. But see, he wants you to imagine there is no hell, so you can live any way you want to live. You don't have to live by God's standards because there's no heaven and no hell. You just, you just here for the time and live however you want to live. He says, imagine there's no countries open borders. Isn't that what we want? Because that's what the one world leader wants. That's why the administration now has open borders here. We got millions of people coming in here because in the end, the Antichrist is going to be the one world leader of everyone, all countries together. He goes on to say, nothing to kill or die for and no religion. Oh, we don't want God to imagine all people living in peace together. You see, there's no religion. We don't need God. We're just all going to live together in peace. So this is why we have all the prison reform now. We're going to take away all these things because we're all going to live in peace together. We're going to create our own human utopia here. So we don't want people going to prison. So we have prison reform now, all of this. And we don't, you know, no more law enforcement and everything. So, so has this helped us? No, it hasn't helped us. Crime is skyrocketing right now with this. Why? Because humans cannot live amongst humans and we cannot create our own utopia. But this song wants us to believe that you can create that utopia. No, when we take all the punishment for these crimes and try to live as utopia, like we're all just gonna love one another. No, because there's bad people and they're gonna do bad things and that's why it's resulted in more crime. He goes on to say, imagine no possessions. What are we saying here? No rich We want to take from the rich and give to the poor. It's like, so that's what socialism is. See, socialism doesn't work anywhere in the world. It's never worked. It has never worked, okay? Because you can only take so much from the rich and then the rich don't have any more and there's no more to give. Now everyone's poor. And that's what ends up happening. You take and take and take until there's no more to take and then 
Now everyone's poor. So socialism, it doesn't work. So imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need or greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Let us all get together. He says, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. And that's exactly what the Antichrist wants. We're all going to come under his thing and worship him and there'll be no borders and the whole world will be one world money. This is exactly what God says the end will be. So you might think, well, I'm pumping too much into a stupid song. But my point is this. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to stand before God. And this thing, his name, the fame, and his whole name was inspired by end time scenario. But yes, we all have a conscience. God has given it to us. And we're all going to stand before God. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 12, if you say we did not know this, like, oh God, I'm standing before you. I didn't know it was wrong to do these things. Does he not consider it and weigh the own heart? And does he not know that it's him who keeps your soul? And will he not render to every man according to his own work? See, and the Bible says that God has wrote his word upon the fleshly tablets of our heart. And again, in Romans chapter two, it says that we have a conscience that God reminds us of what is wrong and what is right. That's why everyone, you don't have to read thou shall not steal. You know what's wrong to steal, but if you steal anyway, it's like you just gonna do what you're gonna do. So again, we have a conscience and God has written what is right and wrong in our hearts. So there will be no excuses on the day of judgment when we stand before God. This is why it's so important that all of our family members, all of our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, this is why they need to hear the gospel message. They need to hear it in a clear way. They need to hear it in a concise way. People around us, need to hear about God in a reasonable manner. What if all the people you know, listen, everyone you know, what if the only message they've ever heard about God's grace is by some nutcase screaming about Jesus and having to repent at the promenade with some sign, repent or burn in hell? Okay, what if that's the only picture they have of our God? Or some crazed preacher that's on at two o'clock in the morning as they're flipping channels because they can't sleep one night and they got some crazy TV evangelist that's screaming and begging for money. See, why? Because the message got lost in the midst of the circus and they lost it there. Or what if they went to another church? What if they went to a church that's just dead and boring? One of the mainline denominations with stained glass windows and statues and, and crosses and you know confessional booths and all this and candles going everywhere. And some guy comes out and gives some message that's just so unrelatable, you don't even know what he's talking about. And you're just like going, oh my goodness. What if your family and your friends, what if that's all they ever seen? Don't your family and friends, don't your neighbors, don't they deserve, don't they deserve to hear a clear and unobstructed view of who God really is? I mean, don't they deserve that? Don't they deserve to hear the gospel truth spoken by a voice of reason, not some crazed lunatic? Don't they deserve the opportunity to receive Christ in their heart and experience God's real love and his real mercy and grace and forgiveness? Not everyone will respond to our call, obviously, for the forgiveness of their sins. Not everyone's going to respond to it. For many will love darkness rather than they love light. Or others will just simply refuse to believe that there's a God at all. But if they make that choice, let it be made only after they had the choice to hear a good, realistic, clear presentation of the truth. That's why we should take many times 
to try to persuade our co-workers and our neighbors and our family members and friends. We should try to persuade them. That's what the Apostle Paul did. You know, that's why King Agrippa said, you know, Paul, you keep talking to me. You're persuading me to be a Christian. I can see Apostle Paul thinking, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I am trying to persuade you. I am trying to answer all the questions that you have in a reasonable way so that you are left with no other option than giving your life to Christ, that there is a God in heaven that loves him. Well, getting back to Moses, verse 10 tells us that Moses grew up, that he was brought back, meaning he was weaned. So when, you know, when it says he was brought back, he's like, you know, a year and a half, two years old, you know, he's weaned now. Now we're not given the details after this, but there was what appears to be a large amount of time that this mother, Jochebed, was able to spend with her son. Maybe she became, again, her, a nanny. And I'm sure she took every opportunity to whisper into those precious little ears about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're not an Egyptian. You're not an Egyptian. You, you, you are a child of God. You're, you come down through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I mean, you could just know that that was happening with him, you know, and how God spared his life for she believed that since God saved him, God was going to use him for his glory. Remember, her name means Yahweh is glory. Yes, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and Moses became her son, as Jochebed probably still stayed employed as Moses' nanny. Why not? Every rich person around has nannies for their kids. There's no, nothing different here. This is, this is Pharaoh's daughter. He's the leader of the known world. So she keeps him on as, she keeps Jochebed on as a nanny. This is not a stretch to think this. And in verse 10, he is officially named Moses, which means drawn out of the water, for she pulled him out of the water. But crazy, isn't it? He was born in poverty, and now Moses is being raised in a palace, which brings up our final point, a determined move. Let's read what happens next, verse 11. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up. Okay, now, he's 40 years old now. Okay, so just get the point. From verse 10 to verse 11. Verse 10, he's probably two. Verse 11, it's 38 years later. Okay, that's how time can pass in the scripture. Okay, so now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and he looked at their hard labor. How did he know that they were his brethren? Because you had mommy, real mommy, Jochebed as nanny. See, this is how he knew this. And he looked on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Why would he know it was his brethren? See, that's why I say she probably stayed his nanny. Verse 12. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. Verse 13. He went out The next day, and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But this guy that was fighting, this Hebrew guy said in verse 14, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, surely this matter has become known. He didn't think anyone saw it. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of it, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and he settled in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. Wow. Verse 11 said, he's all grown up. And again, at this point, he's like 40 years old now. So 38 years went by. We have to turn to other places in the Bible to fill in those gaps. 
Remember, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. As Moses grew up in Egypt as the grandson of Pharaoh, he was given the best that money could buy. He was taught in the best of schools. We're told in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, it says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man a man of power and words and deeds. Now in verse 11, he went out to his brethren. See, that decision didn't happen overnight, obviously, because he's 40 years old. I'm sure he knew from a young age because of Jochebed, his mother, that he was really a Hebrew, but he lived as an Egyptian. He talked as an Egyptian. And so as he probably battled with living as a prince in the lap of luxury, the Holy Spirit was ministering to him. You are not an Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. And he was fighting that for probably four decades. No, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I could be getting tailored to become the next Pharaoh. I mean, he was fighting it in his life. It took, again, four decades of the Holy Spirit pounding on his heart, working on his soul, 40 years of denying who he really was, until finally, one day, he woke up at 40 and just said, enough, I can't take it anymore. I can no longer deny who I am. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.